Hey listeners, this is Marcia Epstein in Lawrence, Kansas. This is Talk With Me. And it is this beautiful day of April 27th, 2018 in Lawrence, Kansas. One of the cool things that's happening tonight, and it's probably going to be after tonight that you hear this broadcast, but uh, there will be poets sprinkled around downtown Lawrence, Kansas, writing poetry they call it poetry on demand, but I'm going to hope it's on gentle request. <laughs> Those poets are my friends, man. Don't be demanding of them. But they are going to be delighted to compose things for people who stop by during this final Friday of April art walk time. And it's just a lovely day for this, a great day for poetry as it is still USA's National Poetry Month. Yesterday was Poem in Your Pocket Day. I have a poem in my bag of tricks always. In fact, I have two. Um, and so I, I am a huge fan of what happens with poetry, the, the things that share that, that come through poetry that we might not have listened to otherwise. It's that story thing, you know? Sometimes we get to think about things. We get to know we're connected. We get to know we're not as much of a weirdo or any more of a weirdo than that person who wrote that thing and just shared it at the mic, maybe. <laughs> Poetry's beautiful. There are all kinds. Don't let, if you had a bad, 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 mean, mean, mean high school English teacher like I did, don't let that convince you that poetry is something that's scary. Um, get out into the, the current world, explore, go to readings, have some fun with it. Maybe you're writing it and maybe you want to take your first venture at a mic. Who knows? Anyway, today I am thrilled because this person is somebody who is connected to poets in so many places, not just the United States, but way beyond, including a special connect connection with Scotland. And so all these cool things that happen. And so I want to welcome Robert Hansen. Hey, Robert. Yay. <laughs> Marcia, how are you doing? Hey, can I start by saying a happy birthday to you? This is your oh, birthday week. It is birthday so. week. It's been awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I, yeah. I recorded with Brandon Whitehead, who's part of the crew for the Fountain First Casey Small Press Poetry Fest that's coming up in Kansas City. Yeah. Brandon and I recorded on my birthday morning. It's like this, that's, it's just part of what's made the week wonderful. We have a new oh, book here. Yeah. New book that I got at the Poetry Fair here on Sunday. Um, it's called The Sauntering Eye, Kansas Meditations from Beth Schultz. And right under that is this touching book, Loss and Foundering from John Burroughs who's also the Crisis Chronicles Prescott, all this good sure. stuff. So I've got poetry surrounding me, been doing some special stuff. And I'm just going to give a shout out to something that wasn't actually poetry, but Pete Souza, who was the photographer for Barack Obama as a young legislator and through his two terms as president. Yeah. Here in Lawrence. And Pete shared these fabulous stories and photos and, oh. and it was the reminder of a wonderful time <laughs> oh my goodness yes and you know he's been great on twitter and elsewhere just sort of you know occasionally uh you know reminding us of some of better times yes, you know yes, and yes. uh so I, I what 
what magic to be right there and to see it, you know, uh, yeah. up front and close. So that's oh, great. Birthday. Oh, yeah. yeah. What a what a birthday uh, day and week for you. That's wonderful. Yeah, that's awesome. Poetry and Pete Souza. That's great. <laughs> yeah, and flowers from our local greenhouse. Got those flowers to plant in the pots. Oh, yeah. So it's beautiful. it's beautiful. Anyway. And so, it's not even over because you've got poets sprinkled all around town. Yeah, I mean, that sounds really exciting, exactly. too. Yeah, <laughs> it is. Great stuff happening. <laughs> and you are in sunny California, I, I assume, Sunny? I, well, I am in sunny California, but that is a technicality. So it's early enough in the morning that, uh, that I, and I'm close enough to the, the ocean <laughs> that there's still a kind of uh, marine layer. So it's kind of, it looks gray and, and, and foreboding outside, but that, that always cleans off at about 10 o'clock in the morning. So, and, uh, but I don't want to give the impression. I just need to clarify, you know, we've, we've got to be, we've got to be forthright and truthful with our, our, our statements. I, I don't live on the ocean. That is prohibitively <laughs> expensive. I live further into the desert. So I'm in San Diego and I live, but I mean, so, but I, I am close enough to the Pacific Ocean that I, I get to enjoy this kind of uh, marine layer. So everyone yeah. gets that, yeah. but then it leaves and then I, I, you know, it gets hotter here for me. So it will be a warm day, but it will be a beautiful day, much like in Lawrence. So I'm looking yeah. forward to that. Yeah, although you have that ocean access even when you're not right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And that is a big advantage. I mean, it's a beautiful, uh, beautiful place to uh, to live and to be. And, and yes. the ocean is wonderful. So Yes. And the western side. I'm not a Florida ocean fan in the way that I am a California ocean fan. And I, it may be that subtle thing that I was actually born in the Los Angeles area. Um, sure. <laughs> I grew up there, but but maybe there's a part of me that just knows that's that's my place. <laughs> My my only experience with the east eastern seaboard, if you will, in the ocean is in New Jersey. So you know, my father grew up there, and I visited family there, and it was okay. But it certainly doesn't have the same Pacific Ocean feel for me. So I don't want to disparage the, you know, I I don't want to uh, uh, turn people against each other, ocean versus ocean or anything like that. You know, and I spent I've spent most of my adult life actually living uh, in central uh, Sacramento, California. So I not uh, a drive away from the ocean, but not close to it where you could basically get there in just a few minutes. So mm-hmm. it's really been for the last five years, uh, uh, you know, to be serious about this, it really is, uh, uh, it, it does, you know, it, 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 it's a benefit psychologically. It's a benefit, you know, in terms of your, uh, uh, your sense of, I mean, just the idea of being there, seeing something so enormous and so amazing. I just, I, I I'm not going to, I publish poets. I'm not a poet. So you can tell my, my uh, uh, artless attempt to describe the beauty of the Pacific Ocean. But it, it really is something to, to really, you, you just feel fortunate when you're standing there looking out at it. So yes. to be able to do that, you know, whenever I want, um, and with certainly more frequency than I ever had for most of my life, has just been a real pleasure for me. So yes. It's that perspective thing, too. It's like, there is this hugeness. I am a smallness. <laughs> Exactly. You know, and the more cynical part is that, you know, sitting on the pier and waiting for the sharks to attack the surfers is always fun, but you really, oh, and you're not really supposed to say stuff like that on a podcast. And I'm kidding, of course, but you know, it never happens. These guys know what they're doing. They're professionals, you know, Yeah. but, uh, and that's more likely to happen in Florida. That's where the bull sharks are. That's, you know, there's that's why you don't go to Florida's uh, beaches. So that would be why we prefer California. Precisely. 
<laughs> so for people who don't already know you and don't know this amazing project that you have, how about a little bit of background? Uh, sure, thank you. Um, well, so Poems for All is the name of the project. Um, it's something that I started in 2001, so it's been running for about 17 years now. Um, and it basically is just imagine miniature little books of poetry that I like to say are scattered like seeds. So I basically make these little books of poetry and I get the poems from people now all around the world and put them into very little books. So imagine a business card or smaller um, and I make these little books and then we scatter them like seeds. So I send yes. some to the poet. I take them out myself, give them to other people and they're just given away for free. Yes. So the whole and idea is just to sort of put, put poetry out into the, the universe in a very small and kind of uh, um, exciting kind of way. You know, people love miniatures. I love miniatures, which is why I got involved in doing, a, um, you know, a publishing pro project that's so small. Um, and, you know, so people are like, oh, what is this? And they'll pick it up and, and there you have it. They're, they've got poetry in their hands. And, yes. uh, you know, so that's, that's it in a nutshell. You know, that's, yeah, that's poems for all. Um, yeah, and, and what, uh, you know. I just want to say that as, as we're talking, I have a collection of some of the favorites of mine that I've had the opportunity to pick up and those that with, with the important stuff that's right around me, which I'm this weirdo who my workspace is actually our dining room table <laughs> because we have a bay window and there's all. Oh yeah. There you go. And when I tried to use an upstairs room as an office, it's like, I don't like being up here isolated. I want to be on the first floor of my home. Yeah. Laptop, little this, little that. It doesn't take up so much space. I can clear it off when I need to. <laughs> happy. But but I keep little I'm a I'm not a big collector of things like I'm not this lots of people like lots of decorative things and this and that. Sure. I, I don't like so much big stuff, but I like things, small things that, that connect me to important memories and people and such. And so I have this little, lovely, little wickery straw. I don't know what it is. Little basket that's that's yeah. maybe about a three-inch circle, and it's full of poems for all and then a couple of poem magnets from Epic Rights Press. Sure. Yeah. I actually think I've seen a photo. I've, yeah, have you, yeah, you, yeah. I posted a photo of that, and I love that idea. And yeah. I, I, what I do, so for me in terms of those little books as well, is that there, I mean, I, I get the added pleasure. Um, so the first of all, I mean, what really makes poems for all shine? I mean, what really is uh, what, what, so exciting is that the, there are just a, a lot of remarkable poems. Yes. That I have had the pleasure, I've had a lot, the pleasure to work with a lot of poets, and they've given me some amazing poems that then go into the, you know, under, stapled, stapled into small covers. So every one of these books is really important to me, uh -huh. and I get the added bonus of, so when they go out in the world, people discover these poems, and they, you know, they, they create memories. I get the added bonus as well of having engaged with that poet, having designed the covers for the most part. Um, and so there's that element too. So when they're laying around for me, I have these flashbacks to every time I engaged with that poet yes. and how, you know, the process of creating that little book. And unlike a lot of other designers, I, so there's like, there, there are 
technically 1,700 books in the series. Wow. About 15, 1,500 of those have actually made it out into the wild and are, are published. And But I've had to design all of those. And so it, easier, it, it is easy because they're small in that, in that sense, that, but I, they have to be unique, each and every one. So it's a real design challenge for me, I think, in ways that hasn't, you know, I, I it, just because of the size of the project, literally, um, I've made more covers or, or done more design than maybe a lot of other book uh, designers have. Uh, yeah. Just these little visuals that sort of try to engage people. Yeah. And again, because they are distributed for free, the desire is to try to create that magpie effect, that whole, you know, the birds that like to pick up small, shiny things. <laughs> the idea of putting out these little books that have covers that are interesting enough yeah. to uh, – uh, to attract attention. Yes. Now, a lot of them are distributed by poets who send them in the mail or do, you know, there, there, are, there are conventional ways in which they're distributed through bookstores and, and all manner like that. And so they're, they often come with an explanation, which is fine. So people know what they are. They expect them and they're excited. But I still like that randomness, the occasional find. So when I put them out just sort of randomly, I like that people being surprised by finding a small book. And even if they're disappointed that there's poetry inside or whatever, I don't know. It doesn't matter to me. <laughs> You know, uh, uh, I like to, I, I tease myself and say, it's like, you know, a poetry lover or not, they have to open the book. If they open the book out of curiosity, they will have read at least uh, the opening word or sentence of a poem. So, you know, at least in that respect, I've made them read poetry. So yeah. um, you've created anyway, the opportunity. I, I, you didn't make that. Well said. I love that. That's exactly <laughs> it. I'm writing that down. That's very good. I created the opportunity for you to enjoy poetry. Yeah. And most do. I think the, the response, uh, you know, in as much as I, I receive it, I mean, again, when you put them out randomly, you never really, uh, you won't necessarily get feedback but i do like to i just love to put them out there mm -hmm. um i think from perspective as well it's like it's it, it, my approach has always been I, I really enjoy doing this i really enjoy and so for me the pleasure of creating them and then again working with the poets you know working with these wonderful poems finishing the book and then once they're released, I can let go of any burden. It's like whether or not they are well-received or not or what happens to them, uh -huh. I don't know, and it's not really important anymore. You know, uh -huh. I have enjoyed the experience enough that I can let go of them and uh -huh. let them make their way through the world. And, you know, some of them will, will join you on your on – your, uh, dining room table. Others will join people's, uh, you know, uh, collections of poetry. Others will languish in coffee shops. Uh, I, I remember uh, in 2010, I was in Scotland and I went into a bookstore and I put the little books of poetry around inside the bookstore, which is a bit of a, a tease because people don't know, are those free? Are they books that are being sold? And sure enough, I went back the next year, same bookstore, and I found some of the books still there sitting on the bookshelves, you know, and either, uh, you know, people were like, didn't know to take them or, or you know, uh, for whatever reason, they were just still sitting there. And I love that. It's like, here they are lingering in this bookstore where they belong. I love that. Right. And, and I have to assume that that many people have picked up each of those same ones and read that little poem and had delight that they read this little book. If, you know, maybe they didn't know it was OK to take it or maybe they thought, you know, I'm going to leave it for this next person to read it. I, I, that's a great perspective. I love that. Yeah. Oh, I like that. <laughs> yeah. I, I can, I mean, I, I can imagine making either choice because sometimes somebody will come here and they'll be looking at the ones that I have and they'll say, oh, these are really cool. Could, could I take one? And I go, well, 
There are some <laughs> that you can take, but there are some that I won't let you have. <laughs> Depends on which one you want. <laughs> I will say this, and this is so. This is me as a collector. So I do collect. I am a magpie. I like to collect small things. So I very much want to make sure that I have my, you know, a copy of every book. Uh-huh. And I'm cognizant of that, at least for some people, when I send books to them. So if I'm sending books to a poet, or if I'm just sending someone who's requested books, and sometimes people request them for themselves, other times they request them because they want to distribute them. Right. And I try, and I want to clarify that I'm not always successful, but knowing that I am a collector and knowing that, I, my point, I like to try to send at least a couple of each if I can, uh-huh. so that a person can keep one and then give the other one away. Uh-huh. Uh, because, so so that, that people aren't confronted with the circumstance that you're in, which I completely understand, which is I only have one, you can't have it. You know, and... <laughs> well, and, it's uh, because I gave away the other ones, because that's what I do too. People, uh, and I want to share that. So I'm in Lawrence, Kansas. Robert is in San Diego, California. And for years with an event that I do in September... It's called Words Save Lives, and it's on World Suicide Prevention Day, which is September 10th. And each year, Robert, you have generously sent me, you know, a huge array of poems for all. And so that's a time at at Words Save Lives. We have poetry and comedy and storytelling and music. And we had a drag performance last year, which was just awesome. Oh, wonderful. So so we, we have poems for all for people to take. But also, because you're so generous, I always encourage people to take some to scatter, not just take for themselves. Oh, and thank so, you. I love that. Yes. So so people who've ended up in lots of different places with those. I have an niece who took some back to, she was going to school in Michigan, you know, and she took some with her, you know, and, and so different people have encountered these. And and you're, you've been very generous in sending both quantity and selection. And so the ones that I have came because I needed to keep this one that was part of that. And because some specific poets have, have said, oh, I want you to, to have this. You know, so sometimes right. it's given to me one on one, but a lot <laughs> of ones that you've shared. And, and I've loved that being able to share those with other people and, and who knows where they go, but lots and lots of people who are touched by those. And and I sent I sent a couple to a, a few specific ones to a cousin of mine who is in Brooklyn and he has written poetry. I'm going to guess at least since high school for a long time. Yeah. You know, and he was so he had not heard of Poems for All before. And he was so taken with them that not only was he happy to receive them, but he has sort of an area for special items. And so his are his poems for all books are in this kind of tableau of special oh. things from Marty Cohen in Brooklyn. And it's like, cool. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I love hearing that. Thank you so much. And I want to. I want to thank you. And I mean, you're doing something very important, which is, and this is again, I, I, what, what makes poems for all work so well is that people who are willing to do the scattering who scatter like seeds and like yourself, you know, uh, receiving the poems and giving them out in, in Lawrence and then sending them to Brooklyn and elsewhere. And it's by that means that I often receive poetry submissions and I make new relationships with other, other people and poets, uh, I, people and poets are not mutually exclusive, of course. I mean that some are poets who want to, you know, well, that's a whole other podcast. We'll get into that later. Um, no, 
you know, but people who like myself are not necessarily poets, but are certainly interested in the concept and, and, yeah. and disseminating them and getting them out there. Yeah. Um, so they have a different uh, perspective or, or purpose than poets who, who want to be published. Yeah. But my goodness, just that uh, it, it, it is a way in which, you know, uh, I've been able to sort of, again, scatter them worldwide because of people who are willing and interested in the series to yeah. receive them and, 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 and then to also themselves scatter like seeds. Yeah. So it's been a beautiful, beautiful 17 years. And, uh, you know, I, I, I don't see any signs of, of stopping. I certainly am trying to find ways to manage it in a more effective way. Uh-huh. Um, it's certainly a big part of my life purposefully. I mean, I've created this uh, this space where this is something that I do as a primary thing. And I have to thank my wife, Karen. I mean, she's basically, uh, you know, uh, has been very supportive uh, of this whole process and puts up with the fact that, you know, it's not my dining room table. It's downstairs in our garage. There's a a work table that I have basically overtaken. Um, and that's where I build the books, but also where my, you know, uh, the, the, the detritus that, you know, is accumulated as a result of, of being a part of a, a relationship with poets around the world. So all the things that I receive and all that, that, you know, it, it's piled up there, but and anyway, it's, it's a, uh, it's, it's been a remarkable ride and I, I, I'm looking forward to continuing to do this for uh, as long as I can. Yes. Wonderful. Wonderful. And I, I want to ask because we had a conversation uh, via email a while ago, that at some point you were going to offer a subscription opportunity? Yeah, I'm still trying to think. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. I, I think I cut you off there. What was the last part you were going to say there? If, if that was available now. It's not yet. I'm still trying to work that out. And, you know, um, it really does speak to a larger issue for me, which is, you know, presently the primary way in which poems for all are distributed are through individuals like yourself and poets and people who I send books to, and then they sort of scatter them in their own way. Uh, and then I also, you know, and uh, you mentioned a poem in your pocket day. I made a lot of books that I sent out to different locations, hoping that people would just sort of scatter them around. Mm-hmm. And there was an interesting uh, confluence of poets from around the country in San Francisco, this April, unintentionally, they were just there, like Steve Dalachinsky and his wife, Yuko from New York, were in New York or in San Francisco for several events. And then Kyle Harvey from Colorado was there. And uh, I happened to make books for them and I sent them books and they were specifically going to San Francisco and they were all taking part in these various events. And so they were being scattered like seeds there. And I'm like, this is great. Um, And then I also have people like uh, the poet Jack Hirschman in San Francisco, who has been remarkable at at distribution. He basically has, uh, you know, he's the retired poet laureate of San Francisco, but he's still very active in uh, going to uh, readings and putting on readings. And every single one, he just gives out my little books. And I know this because I get poets and other people writing me going, hey, I just received books uh, from Poems for All from Jack Hirschman. He was handing them out of a reading. And this happens so often. And so I've just sent him more of those. Uh-huh. Getting back to your question. So that's been the primary way to distribute them. But um, I, I, I am trying to find a better way to sort of uh, you know, send out to a number of people who actually want to receive them on a monthly or some kind of timely basis. And mm-hmm. the plan is still there. I, the idea was to launch at the beginning of this year. That's what we talked about in the email. And I haven't quite, it hasn't germinated the way that I wanted it to. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
eventually. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I'd like to say this year. I mean, we're basically, I was thinking of some kind of, uh, you know, um, uh, just charging a small amount that would cover the cost of the postage. Uh-huh. So doing a subscription service or something like yeah. that, that would be yeah. like 10 or $12 a year or something like that. And then it would guarantee a, you know, an, um, an envelope each month that would allow for, um, uh, you know, a few, a few poems each, a few books each month or something uh-huh. like that. I will say this. I think what, what go ahead. I'm sorry, please. Well, it'd be delightful to, to see some of the, ones that are coming out, you know, because I can, I can see pictures, you know, on your Instagram or Facebook, but um, unless I'm at, you know, a place where somebody has recently gotten some, then, then, you know, I don't, I don't get that perspective of, oh, I'd love to have this one, you know, so I'm, I'm excited to be exposed to more. (laughs) And I, I'll be honest with you, I think you have far more effectively identified the issue than, than I have, which is that I, I tease people with all of these pictures of every single book on Instagram or on mm-hmm. Facebook. But again, as you said, unless you're in one, one of these vantage points where either, you know, the poet who just got their book published or you're, you're, you're part of some distribution, you know, you're at Jack Hirschman's poetry reading, or, you know, you're at, at uh, you know, some place where poems are, are distributed mm-hmm. or you send a request or whatever, you're not getting them consistently. And I would like to see that happen. Mm-hmm. I will say the biggest challenge to that has been I really am trying to focus on um, there is a backlog (laughs) and uh, there's a lot of work to be done to I have accepted all of these wonderful poems because they are just that they're wonderful poems and I really want them to be in the series Uh Uh, but I I I can't keep up with that uh, uh, that process I'm trying to find and a part of it is just again that I'm not uh, uh, as organized as I think I am, I'm not as organized as I think I am. So, I, you know, there's things of, you know, this patina of backlog has sort of piled up and I'm like, so one of the things that I'm, uh, I'm, I'm trying to balance that I'm like, okay, doing these subscriptions means a whole new layer of work that I will have to do yes. that I'm not opposed to. But I also realize that if I do this in conjunction with things that I haven't finished yet that I, mm-hmm. I I'm, I'm doing a disservice to myself and other people. Mm-hmm. So I, I think what I'm going to do, I, I've been talking very, maybe I'll, I'll say it here and that will make it happen because it's, you know, going out officially. I'm going to, I'm thinking about sort of not shutting down, but taking time off in May, just basically stopping the acceptance of poems and things like that. And just sort of going dark so that I can just basically uh, try to catch up and regroup and, and do that kind of stuff. And then, uh, and then turn the switch back on and then sort of begin to move forward with ideas like subscriptions and other ways to get the, yeah. the little books. So, well, as, as we're talking about this and I, and I, I don't want to only talk to the business part, but my thought is the idea of having individuals subscribe is a terrible idea because it's so incredibly much work. But the idea perhaps of choosing a few regions and a hub like Lawrence, Kansas, Raven Bookstore, Independent Bookstore becomes a subscriber to Poems for All as a point where people can flock to for readings and to 
to get a few poems for our Oh my heavens, that's a brilliant idea. So it's sort of so a just limited, the... yeah. Oh yeah. So and it puts a little it puts a little pressure on people to go, okay, you need if you love poems for all, then here's what you do. You go to that that independent bookstore or whatever the location is. You take some for yourself and to scatter. You perhaps contribute to the bookstore. Um, whether by purchases you make when you're there or by a specific contribution towards the Poems for All subscription. Who knows? But right. So that you, Robert Hansen, aren't having thousands of people that expect to receive mail from you. <laughs> right. I, I actually love this. And the other, the other thing I like about this, too, is that, so again, I have tried very hard Excuse me for one moment. <coughs> Got a little scratch in my throat there. Um, I think we talked about this last time too. So for me, I, I've really tried to sort of separate the idea of any kind of uh, money. I don't. I, the idea. I don't. I don't. I don't want to receive uh, cash for any reason. I really like the idea of keeping this. I'm going to use the word pure, and all, all I mean by that is that whenever you involve the uh, transactional relationship in a project, it changes it. So I've tried to avoid that, and that includes you know, this idea of like, okay, well, if I have subscriptions, I should charge postage because I can't cover the expense there, and I've been reluctant for that. So this idea you have really eliminates that because, again, it's sending it to one location and then having them distributed through there, and the idea of basically allowing that as a, a – anything I can do to encourage people to go and shop in a, a bookstore, you know, and, and support that. I mean, that's a great, <laughs> great uh, 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 objective for poems for all. I love that. Cool. So <laughs> let's talk about, cause you, before we were recording, we were talking a little bit about people sending you poetry and, and I chimed in with, you know, I, you make it so easy for people to send you poetry and and their wonderful poems being written all over and it's such a cool thing. And I ask those listeners who are poets or who are friends of poets who they think, oh cool, I'm gonna have them send to Poems for All to be um, to have this little book created for us. Here's the thing, know who you're sending to. If you want to send to Poems for All, if you want to send to whatever publisher, make sure you know what they publish, what it looks like, sure. what, you know, what their, their emphasis is. And with Poems for All, these are seriously little books, folks. <laughs> and unless you want people to have to go out and invest in a magnifying glass to read the poem, you probably want to think about what size and shape of poem you send. <laughs> right. Well, and you know, so as part of that conversation, we were talking about, so actually let me back up. And I think that's obviously solid advice that all, you know, uh, uh, editors and publishers around the small press right now listening in are, are thanking you for making that <laughs> proclamation. Because again, it, it's not a poems for all issue. It is widespread. It's that yes. idea that a lot of people are just sort of, and again, as I was suggesting in our conversation just before the podcast began, you can only, there's a tell, you can almost tell when poems are coming in uh, from, you know, they don't really know who you are. They, 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 they've seen you in a listing of, of publishers and they're just sort of sending you what they're sending a lot of other people. And, 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 
yeah, knowing your sources, uh, knowing the, the you know the final destination for where your poems will go is a really good idea. I, I guess that's a suggestion as well to stop sending them out in mass, basically hoping it's kind of like direct mail uh, uh, poetry solicitation, and you know it, it has the same kind of results as direct mail in general. You're not going to get a lot of return on that because mm-hmm. most editors see you for what you are or whatever. And I want to be careful when I say that because I have received poems that come to me. Be, you know, by people who don't necessarily know the full context of Poems for All as a miniature uh, poetry publisher, but the poems are still good, and I take them anyway. I'm, you know, I, I, I don't want to say that I exclude people just because they didn't take take the time to get to know me or anything like that, you know, buy me a cup of coffee and, and chat me <laughs> up or anything like that. Um, but you know, we were talking that, you know, again, it, it is particularly, I mean, often, so when I decline poetry, more often than not, I'm declining it because I, and I have to tell them, I'm like, I'm sorry, this doesn't fit my format. And uh-huh. literally, yes. it doesn't fit my format. Not because it's a, a beat poem or because it's a, you know, it's because it does not fit into my very small format. Uh-huh. But the other thing we were talking about, which is, and this, this is on me, is that what, what has been really exciting for me as a designer is that over the last 17 years, so when Poems for All first began, it really was a few pages, the poems had to be extra small in terms of their length, because I could only fit them on a, you know, one, uh, four pages in a little book. Uh-huh. But over 17 years as a designer, I've been able to, you know, uh, create accordion folds. Right. I, I, I know now better ways to create multiple page books and things like that. And again, I, I, I will not shrink text below a readable size. So that's the other <laughs> challenge. Is it, it all has to be something where, you know, no matter how big the book is or, you know, how much, how big the poem is, it still has to be legible. Reason, I, <laughs> sorry, um, I, this is my phrase for myself. I, I call it uh, Penguin Edition legible. And what I mean by that is if you read Penguin Edition books, they have a very small font. It's readable if you're uh, if you're uh, not 50 years old, but it's 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 small. It's not it's not 10 point or 12 point times Roman. It's definitely smaller, but it is a legible font and it's small enough that you can you know get more words in, which is why Penguin editions and do it, and which is why I do it. I pick a Palantino usually, and it's a nine point and it, it's small, but it's also again you can still read it. Yes. And I have to, but I, the, the design has to be such that people can most reasonably, most people can look at the book and still go, oh, I can read this without having this, <laughs> you know, you know, use a magnifying glass or all that. Yeah. So yeah. my challenge then is, okay, I can't just say, okay, so people always ask, well, how many, how many, how many words or how many lines can I have for my poem? And I, I don't have a ready answer for that because there are all these new formats that I can use again, I, but always staying within. So poems for all is a, it's a business card or smaller. It can't be bigger than that. It doesn't mean that the pages can't fold out of that final size or whatever, but I won't build a book. That's not that size, but that said, I can put more and more uh, words in there. So what I need to do is come up with some way. And as I was articulating to you pre-show, I, I should have done this years ago, but it's like some kind of way of describing to people, here's, here are all the possible ways and all the possible sizes of poem you could possibly put into poems for us. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and I, I, <laughs> well, I, but you know, for if you, I right? don't do that, I get that Epic of Gilgamesh poem, you know, people just send me like, here's this, here's my 500 word, you know, uh, uh, 
epic poem about my childhood that I'd like you to publish. I'm like, no, I can't. It won't fit. It won't fit. Yeah, so. Well, anyway, yeah, such I are the challenges of a small press publisher. Yeah, when when you commented that it was uh, business card size, what you're not saying is that it's business card folded in half, because right. that business card folded in half becomes the front and the back cover. So that is true. People, when people realize, oh, and I'm looking literally, that's the size it is. I have one of the poems for all in my hand and a business card in my hand, and it's like. That's exactly what size it is. That's an important thing for people. You just said on air that you use Palatino 9. So look, folks, it has to fit in that little space. Of that <laughs> right. business card. Folded pages yeah. can happen. Yes, yes, yes. But but be realistic here. <laughs> now, I, 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 will add, I, add, I will add one caveat, which is that <laughs> I, I did... I did finally, I did finally concede that I need a longer size. So what I, there are now mm-hmm. poems for all that are actually a business card size. Right. So there that are means a few that, I that have. yes, okay. Right. So they are. If you look at them in their final size, they look like the size of a business card, and then you sure. open them and they're, you know, and they're pages within. Yes. And that was to accommodate longer lines. Uh-huh. <laughs> now, the, I do have a draconian solution here, and I've considered this, and I might just do it for a short term. Well, so. I have allowed myself because, again, I am very, I just, it's hard to turn down really good poems. It really is. I mean, I, I would say for me, and I don't know how other poetry editors, you know, publishers feel about this. It's hard to turn away a poem that I really want because I'm going, this is a really good poem. And for whatever reason, it just doesn't fit, you know, um, and so it's hard for me. So I've tried to accommodate. Maybe that's maybe that has led to my sort of creative design efforts to go. I can I'm going to fold these pages out so I can get this poem in here, <laughs> and that's 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 worked to my advantage, but also to my my distress sometimes. So the draconian thing is, I I I, I thought about okay, what if I just basically put my foot down both in terms of for people who are submitting, but also just for me as the you know I'm going to make my life easier and say look. The poem has to fit in that original format, which is the business card folded in half. Uh-huh. You know, it has to fit in there. It, it, you know, the poem has to be, uh, you know, it, it can't be over four, you know, four pages or eight pages. It can't be, you know, again, to lay down more laws. And so, and I waffle back and forth because again, I, when you're laying down laws, especially when you're dealing with poetry, that sometimes it's, I don't know. I'm one of one going. It would make my life easier. On the other hand, I'm like, uh, I'm not a law and order kind of guy in that right. respect. I don't know. So, so it's that and thing, that flexibility thing, that dichotomy thing. You could you could say these are my guidelines, and sometimes they go beyond it. <laughs> right. <laughs> and that's my thing is that I've been, I you know that I I really. That, that flexibility is a double-edged sword. You're like, I've got, I'm flexible, so I get all kinds of poems, literally all kinds, sizes, shapes, all everything. I mean, they, and but also that flexibility means I've got to be more creative. I've got to spend, you know, build books that are bigger than I really might have wanted to, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, so again, this sounds like more of an internal struggle that shouldn't really be aired in public. But you know, uh, it's it, it you know. I, I'm thinking about this stuff all the time. And again, it, part of it is the design. And, and again, you know, uh, part of it is efficiency, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But it really does boil down to, you know, oh, man, that's a good poem. I got to keep that. Yeah. The, the challenge I had just the other day was I received an entire 
it, it wasn't intended as a manuscript, meaning that it was just basically a series of poems that were submitted to me. And the poet was very considerate and was like, please, you know, any of these that work for you, I would love to have them published. And this is a poet who I've worked with before. And he was readily acknowledging that he expected them to be in, you know, put in, you know, uh, that a, a few would be selected, but I'm reading this and I'm not saying this happens all the time, but when it does happen, you're, but every single one of these poems, I'm like, this is great. And they're like 12 to 15 poems there. I can't remember the t- total number, but a lot. And I'm like, I love all of these. I should, you know, and it, it's in moments like that where I just sort of lament that I'm not a publisher like other friends that I, you know, in the small press who are doing chapbooks and things like that, yeah. uh, where I, I'm like, I would love to put this out as an entire book in its own. But there's a reason why I don't do that. I like the miniatures and, uh, you know, and other people are doing the chat book thing much better than I could do. So I, I'm leaving it to them. So may, maybe what I need to do is forward that to someone and go, you need to publish all of these poems. But so these are the things that, you know, the pitfalls yeah. you face as a, yes. as a poetry editor. of like, you know, what do I pick? How do I do? You know, so yes. it's a hard knock life that basically being <laughs> confronted with poetry every single day. And and deciding, you know, uh, anyway, you know, I, I I love the influx of poems that I get and 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 seeing new voices and and yeah. it's 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 a lot of fun for me. Yeah, obviously, it's it's a, all about your love, both of people and poetry, because it's a huge <laughs> amount of work, and and you're doing this out of your own kindness and with the support of your wonderful Karen and. And still, it's it is a huge amount of work, and so so there's that, you know, that part about you have to be somewhat realistic, and you have also that opportunity that that you're relishing this exposure to these different poems that are so wonderful. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Thank you for no, I, I yeah, I mean, it, it is that interesting uh, uh, set of circumstances. I do feel that it does weigh more towards. I really feel like. I, it, it does, I'm the only one creating any stress here. You know, I'm the one who, I, no, I'm, you know, I'm the final arbiter of what I'm going to do or what I'm not going to do or what I'm going to take yeah. or not take. Yeah. So any of that kind of frustration or, you know, uh, that's all me, you know, uh, n- n- nothing external. And I, but at the end of the day, it really is, uh, this is really a selfish project because I really do. I get to design the book covers. I get to have all that kind of, I get to have a lot of input in how things are produced. And so I love doing that. And I love doing it in a context that isn't. um, So I guess one of the, you know, uh, I guess I would be a graphic designer in the real world, but you know, I don't have to go to a day job where I uh, build people's business cards or letterhead or any other kinds of the generic usual stuff that has to be done by graphic designers to make their bread and butter. Mm -hmm. I am so lucky that I get to have this project where I can apply my artistic skills as a graphic designer to doing things that aren't those things that are, you know, that are basically these miniature creative projects that are all sort of sewn together as one sort of continuous numbered project. I feel lucky (laughs) to be, to, to be able to do that. I feel like I get to, you know, avoid many of the pitfalls that other professional graphic designers have to face, you know, that they have to do jobs they don't want to do. This isn't one of those. I get to do what I want to do 
with with input from poets and with other people but <laughs> excuse me one second <laughs> but i i get a lot of control i get a lot of uh input i get to be uh profoundly creative um and that's not often the case when you're a graphic designer i mean you often you know people work in very stifling environments where creativity is kind of tamped down or mm-hmm. or forsaken for the na- you know for the sake of profit or whatever so I, I i don't have to be in that game and it's because poems fall is there for me and so i feel like this is really uh you know and a, 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 something that sustains me in a way that uh, far transcends any of the uh, frustrations that i might have articulated previously uh, i i i, I have the parallel where this podcast is something that I so enjoy doing and, and putting out into the world and it fuels the hard work that I do that's related to people who aren't sure life is worth living, you know, and yeah, them get through with some new skills and get to a better side. So I, I, I get that. I want to ask you not, not about favorites cause that would be totally unfair, but do you have a few delightful poems around you right now that you would like to share to give people just a little, at least audio taste of poems? Oh, I wasn't prepared for this. I'm not in a, I'm not in a position with, and I feel bad because I had in for poem, poem in my pocket day, I had uh, uh, my, the, the poem that I think is the manifesto of uh, the series is a poem by Ted Jones called the truth. And I might've, did I read poems last time? I, I, I'm an old man, so I, I forget what remember, I remember. Actually, but this is a poem that I uh, uh, published. It's number two in the series, and I it, it in is my at this moment. So you know what? I this is this works for me. Okay. <laughs> so you have it in your hands, and I don't. So you know, okay. you might have to read it. I will read it. Will you read it? It's called "The I Truth" will. by Ted Jones. Absolutely, "The Truth" by Ted Jones. If you should see a man walking down a crowded street, talking aloud to himself, don't run in the opposite direction, but run toward him, for he is a poet. You have nothing to fear from the poet but the truth. That is the truth. From Ted Isn't Jones. that one? I love that. Yeah. I love that. So Holmes I do have a zero zero two scattered like <laughs> seeds. And that's uh, from uh, very early on. That's 2001, one of the first poem uh, books that I did. And uh, uh, yeah, it spoke to me so much. And um, very early in the series, what I was doing, I never anticipated the the scope that the project would take. I never expected that I would be doing it for 17 years. In fact, I... Uh, the time that I've done poems for all has now surpassed. So I used to own a little used bookstore in Sacramento, California. And for reasons I cannot fathom, uh, yesterday I was on LinkedIn looking at my profile and, uh, it, it, it lists, you know, your, your, my job, my job descriptions. And one of them is poems for all, which is on top, uh, which isn't really a job, but it's there nonetheless. And then just Uh below that was my time at the book collector, which is the used bookstore that I used to own. It's still open in Sacramento, so people who live there should go. Uh, Debbie owns the store now, and she's doing a remarkable job with it. But I worked at that store, or running that store, for uh, 17 years and a month, I think. 
And I now have been doing poems for all uh, for 17 years and four months. So it was, or two months, I think. So just, a, I've now been doing poems for all longer than any other job I've ever had, which is, pleases me to no end. Yes. I have a, I have a few more poems, if that's okay. Yes. And, and in the spirit of poems for all, these are rather happenstance. I'm just picking them up off my, uh, I just have a couple on my desk. I have most of them downstairs in my workshop, but this one is actually, sorry, I'm going to review it here. I don't know if you have any censorship issues here. No censorship issues. No worries. Okay. This is, um, so first of all, let me explain what I'm holding in my hand here is it's actually, and this is again, we, I was talking earlier about all the different, uh, you know, sizes and formats. So one of the other formats that I've now been using is uh, it's basically a card. So imagine that business card, well, imagine it, just the card itself cut in half. So you just have a square of paper and uh, so you have a poem on one side and then an image on the other. And that's, uh, I've been doing some of those. They're just little cards. My favorites of those are, I do uh, a series called Basho's Butterflies and the cover is just a butterfly and then on the back is the Basho poem. But I also do a series that I've been, uh, uh, called the Edinburgh Inch. Yeah. And excuse me, one moment. <laughs> I'm so sorry about the coughing. It wasn't it wasn't happening before the podcast. Anyway, the Edinburgh Inch is basically a series of little poems, um, and they're put on cards. So on the front of the card is a playful um, cover image. They're not always related to the poem, and then the words the, the Edinburgh Inch, and then the edition number. And I've done about 28 of these now. And they are mostly distributed in Edinburgh, Scotland. I, they, I have people who I give them out there. There are a couple of locations that distribute them. And again, they're just, these are definitely des- designed for very small poems or haiku. And so the Edinburgh Inch that I have right now is uh, number 21. And this is uh, uh, the poet is Viola Weinberg, who actually, um, she's a former poet laureate from Sacramento. And she's been having some uh, health issues. She's, she's uh, been uh, battling cancer and has really uh, is so strong and so courageous. And she's had this bucketless dream of going to Edinburgh, Scotland, uh, and, and uh, basically uh, climbing Arthur's seat. And if you're not familiar with Edinburgh, Scotland, uh, in town or near it, is basically this mountain or uh, sorry hill it's it's a it's a it's a substantial hill arthur's seat and it it's a struggle for me to get up but uh viola using a walker and with some help from uh, friends she she lives in northern california she went over there for a visit to scotland and she climbed arthur's seat and i thought that was really awesome and as she was getting ready to go she was talking about the trip and all that and i I said, well, you know, can we build a little, uh, uh, since you're going to Edinburgh, can we build a little Edinburgh inch uh, of one of your poems and that you can give away as you're, you're there. Oh, wow. Just scatter like seeds, your own little books of poetry. So we created the card, and this is her poem. And I have to, remember we were talking about small text and <laughs> my, my old eyes. This is a very healthy nine-point uh, uh, Palantino, which anybody should be able to read. So, okay, here we go. I put it into the light. Okay, so here is the poem, and this is an untitled poem, and this is Edinburgh Inch number 28 by Viola Weinberg. 
Oh, pomegranate, you whore of romantic notions, my lips tattooed with naughty red baubles. That's it. Beautiful. And the whole so, story of her doing those, having those to distribute, to scatter, that's going to be She's a remarkable woman and a remarkable poet. And so being able to sort of insinuate myself into her story with these old uh, <laughs> poems is a nice thing, but I really want to emphasize just how epic that whole idea, that journey was for her and what, it, what a delight it was. So she's on Facebook and she's sharing with pictures and just, you know, and she was able to do other traveling throughout Scotland. And uh, it just is one of those kinds of points of inspiration that it's, it's just wonderful to have in your life. Yes. I want to, I want to share another one because this person is so awesome. Um, so I'm going to take the liberty of reading another one too. Um, Absolutely. Thank you. This is Bill Gaynor, who is this <laughs> wonderful poet who I, I love Bill's way of being in the world, his mentoring of younger generations of poets. He's absolutely he's delight. And and the one that I have in my hand is called The Afterlife of a Poet. It says by William Gaynor, but I'm used to saying Bill. Right. <laughs> when it comes time to join the worms, I'd rather not. Ash. I would like to leave as Ash. Wait for a windy day and throw me from the upper deck of a Sacramento parking garage. Those I light on know I've waited a lifetime to touch you. So is the afterlife of a poet. So these are delightful. I love that, delightful. I love that poem and I love Bill Gaynor. He yes. is, as you said, he's a mentor to so many poets and he's been just an amazing source of... Uh, uh, support uh, and inspiration for me. And it's one of the you know laments that I have, obviously, Bill is not a Sacramento poet. He lives in the foothills above. Uh -huh. um, and, but he was, a, is, sorry, not was, I'm, I'm the one, I'm the was. Uh, he, <laughs> he, he is a mainstay of the Sacramento scene, if you will. Uh -huh. And I, I like to use the word scene, S-E-E-N, not S-C-E-N-E, -E. Yes. Uh, you know, because he's just a ubiquitous presence. He'd go to, you know, not only did he uh, host his own poetry series there for a good long time, but he was a ubiquitous presence at a lot of the readings. Um, he, he had readings and participated in many uh, as an audience member in the bookstore when I had it there. And he's just, again, this really generous, kind, uh, uh, you know, supportive soul. And not only that, he's a very good poet. And he's, he's, he's the master of the short form. He has these little short poems. And I remember one of the readings we had at the bookstore featuring him. And he, he just read like 30, 35 poems, but they were all very short. But he has this wonderful cadence that just makes it all feel, you know, so, uh, and you're just laughing and you're, you know, he just creates this really uh, uh, perfect environment. It's the yes. kind of poetry, I mean, if, uh, I don't think he does this. I mean, when he's a mentor, he's not a mentor. I'm like, let me show you how it's done, kid, or anything like that. So, but I would like, he could do, he could do, if it wasn't anathema to his personality, workshops on how to really give a good poetry reading. He just yeah. has a very, very, very engaging presence on the yeah. stage. Yeah. And it's sincere. It's not this kind of, uh, sincere is important. I mean, I, again, sometimes you can tell. It's like, oh, I see you trained here. He's, <laughs> he's just got this certain form that is just, yeah. it's that genuine desire that everybody, 
literally everybody present have a good time. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so thank you. That's a wonderful, wonderful poem to add to our reading. And thank yeah. you for reading them. I, I, I'm going to do this again. It's like, oh, I didn't bring any with me. I'm so sorry. I'll have to do it for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we could, we could do this periodically, and that could be one way to avoid the mailing part. We could just read something <laughs> on air every day. <laughs> yeah, but you've already set yourself up because you, you, you gave me this brilliant idea of sort of, you know, I, I'm going to create epicenters in various places. So you make, you're, you've seen the obvious one for Lawrence, Kansas, yes. to, you know, for me to be able to see you just scatter them uh, throughout yes. the city. Yes. And I and I have a, a Lawrence to uh, Wisconsin connection. The woman Heidi Rock, who was the caretaker of the Raven Bookstore before um, she moved to Wisconsin, and now Raven is a kind of poets. Danny Kane, Heidi has a store that she will and her partner Stephen. Wonderful! Oh, good. Let's see, this is, these are the Wisconsin. connections. Yeah, these are the connections we make. I love that. Yeah. I just love that. And, and that's an area where they have uh, some kind of writer's residency program because I've had two um, poet friends who actually did that last year. Denise Lowe, who was uh, is a former poet laureate of Kansas, um, was up there in that area to do a residency last summer. As was Rhonda Miller, another amazing poet. Okay. Oh, that's great. So, yeah. I think one so, one one take the takeaway here is that poets are everywhere. Have you yes. noticed that they're everywhere? Yes. You can't yes, yes, you yes. can't throw a rock without hitting a poet somewhere. Yeah, and you know you, you when, probably shouldn't when, do that because they really get pissed off. But otherwise, yeah, yeah. They're, they're everywhere. You you and I talked the first time about your mom, and and I want yeah. you to say some about your mom. As she is, I believe, the inspiration for your Scotland connection, right? She is. I mean, my mother is Scottish. She was living there. Um, you know, my mother, my mother met my dad. He was in the Air Force, and this was back at the time when there, uh, uh, the United States had Air Force bases in uh, England and Scotland. So just outside of Edinburgh, Scotland, my father had been stationed there, so they met, um, and my mom came back to uh uh america as a bride and my father immediately punished her by settling her into texas yeah, which is a texas. complete contrast i was born in texas so yeah my, so imagine this my mom flies here they uh my father is stationed at uh, uh at an air base in texas so i am born it is hot um it is uh miserable and then uh, my mom has great had great stories about all the you know it's like I just want to tell you about your childhood in Texas, mm-hmm. you know. And then so and then my father gets restationed to Japan, and uh, so my mother uh, uh, joins him. She has a wonderful story. My mother is pregnant and is left behind. He basically has to go ahead, and then she is going to be flown over there uh, after him, and so she is put on a transport plane. I don't mean a I don't mean a plane like a 747 with seats. I mean a a, a military transport plane wow. where you're sitting. Uh, the 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 rows of seats are basically uh, parallel to the sides. You're looking inward, not you know back and forth. And she's strapped in, pregnant, hot, no. long flight to Japan. My brother is born in Japan. Anyway, we long story short, we come back here and settle in California. My father retires. He passes away in 1983. And my mom, uh, so I'm, I'm uh, uh, 
close to 18. My brother is uh, uh, slightly younger than I am. And my mom says, you know what, I want to go home. And so my mother in <clears throat> the early 80s basically went back to Scotland. My mother never became an American citizen. She was on a green card. So my mother was a, a you know, British citizen and she moved back to Scotland. And my mother uh, lived in Scotland until 2011. Um, in 2010, she was diagnosed with cancer. Uh, I went to stay with her there and, and, you know, help her through the chemotherapy and all that. And by help, I just mean, you know, be there and, and be a supportive person and all that. And then I went back in 2011 when it was uh, determined that the cancer was terminal. And so uh, I went back there and, you know, I just basically, I decided, or we decided that I would just stay. They said it would be months, that they didn't know how long, and I just would stay there. So I stayed there. Anyway, um, I had to answer your question more directly now. The Scotland connection is that my mother is Scottish. My mother has lived there. I, as a child, went back to Scotland uh, over the summers. It's always been a magical place for me in terms of, you know, my sort of disparate experiences, for, you know, you know, short term experiences going back for, you know, periods of time in my youth. And even though the that two year period, 2010 and 2011, uh, involved uh, dealing with my mother's cancer and, you know, her end of life issues. Um, it was also an opportunity for me as an adult to finally sort of have a better appreciation of uh, Edinburgh and Scotland and everything that it meant to me. Uh, what a remarkable uh, literary landscape it is. I was able to meet a lot of people that I had corresponded with. So I'm not trying to minimize my mom here. My mom very much an independent woman who was very happy to have me there, but was also uh, had to have, like me in my own life, liked her private time, liked her, you know, she had a very, had a way of doing things that was interrupted by my presence. So even though I was appreciated for being there, there were times where it's like, you're leaving, right? You're going to a reading or something? You're getting out of the house? So I, I don't want to sound like some kind of ghoul, like, oh, here I am taking care of my mother, but I'm also going to poetry readings and, and going to art galleries, you know, die, mama, die. Nothing like that. Oh, of course. My mom was very supportive of, of, she's like, get out of the house, please. It was very, my, we lived in my mother's uh, uh, senior uh, apartment. It was very small. Mm-hmm. And 2010 was the worst. We were just getting to know each other in that context. And, you know, my mom had basically been living away. Uh, we had a long distance relationship. My mom was living in Scotland now. And I would, you know, I, I didn't go back and visit very often. In the, and so 2010 was a sort of reconnect, if you will, not only with her, but also with Scotland in a very real way. Uh-huh. All of this just to sort of wind down, you know, um, so I made a lot of positive relationships with uh, poets and other people that I had previously corresponded with as a result of Poems for All. I was able to sit down with them and, and talk with them and and connect with them uh, while I was there. And so that those bonds have stuck. And uh, and so Edinburgh especially, but Scotland uh, in particular, you know, in a general sense, is a very important uh, uh, geographic location for me, uh, a, a, a space where just some remarkable uh, literary endeavors are taking place. So it feels important for me to have Poems for All be there and be a part of that. Yes, wonderful, wonderful. And and so I hope that people have picked up a few hints about if you want to be published, pay attention to who you're sending to. I hope that they're inspired to learn more about how they can help scatter seeds 
with Poems for All. I'm so thrilled with all that we've been able to talk about, and yet it's never enough time. <laughs> I, I picked up one more poem for all of that I would like to share, and I'd, and I'd like, if, if you have another one that you would like to share too, uh, I picked up one because uh, it's a poet who I actually didn't know, but so many people I know are really touched by this person's work, and Manabroker. Um, and Manor Broker. Yeah. You know, you know how it's, you have William and William and Bill, you know, William Gaynor and Bill Gaynor. Uh-huh. People, people who know him know him as Bill Gaynor uh-huh. and Manor Broker. Um, everyone knows Anne as Annie Manor Broker, just okay. a wonderful poet. Right. So I'm, I'm the, glad you're going to read her. Yeah. The poem I have in my hand is called The Downtown of Life. <laughs> number 427 so a long time ago one of the early folding ones i'm going to guess because it's it's it has a little bit longer pages than some absolutely yeah all right the pump at my apartment complex is always exposed out of water and sucking air i've picked <laughs> up the green hose and turned on the faucet which has a bronze snail for a handle to fill up the three-tiered fountain No matter how many times I fill it up, it evaporates. (laughs) The bees fly over the small top tier to drink, and sometimes birds bathe in it. But there are five cats in the complex to keep them wearing. Half a block up the street are train tracks. The other day, written on a passing freight car, was a quote from the mystic of Rumi. Let the beauty we love be what we do. There are hundreds of ways to kneel and kiss the ground. In juxtaposition, juxtaposition to the war. My cousin Orion, three times removed and only four yeah. years old, says to his parents, I think you'd better wake up or we'll be late for morning. <laughs> Lovely. Yes. That, thank you for reading that. Annie Minnebroker is such a wonderful person and it was so hard to lose her mm-hmm. and the cancer. <laughs> In many ways, she was, uh, oh, sorry, I'm a little, just a remarkable, wonderful woman. Um, and it was a pleasure to know her as a person. It was a pleasure to know her as a poet. And uh, I think she's the only person, earlier I'd made the edict that I only build books in this size. But if Annie Menabroker had come to me and said, I want a, a poem that is 11 by 17 and 100 pages, I would have done it. <laughs> I would have done anything for that woman. So that's a brilliant, brilliant poem to read. Thank you so much. I'm glad you have that in your, your, uh, your permanent collection. I think everyone should. Um, it does bring up an issue for me. Um, so obviously there's so many poems in the series and I do reprint. I mean, I, I basically, you know, as I'm distributing books to, uh, you know, various people, especially, you know, with the idea of giving them a large quantity that they're going to distribute, I'm always thinking about books from the collection, you know, the whole series, what I want out there. And um, Annie's books are, I just keep printing them because I just, her work is so wonderful to me and it speaks so much to the kind of poems that I want to see other people uh, have access to that I'm, I put out as many of her books as I can oh. and scatter those as, as far and as wide as I can. <laughs> Wonderful. Wonderful. Do you have another one that you would like to, to read? Yeah, I do. And this is actually from a, this is a young poet. Her name is Greer uh, Nakadagoya Lee. 
And this was a poem that was submitted, uh, uh, what year was it? Just a few years ago, I think. And it's called Quiet. Okay. And it's another fold uh, out one, which is uh, you know, great if you're reading it leisurely, but if you're trying to read it on the phone, it becomes quite a bit of a challenge. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh. So Quiet. There's an earthquake in my bones. Time bomb heartbeat with every voice I count one down. You don't hear the noise, just feel the sudden jerk. Let your heartbeat shake in the aftershock. My ears hurt from the upset car, car alarms that don't seem to go away. They whisper in my veins. This turmoil inside my head. You say it's like a bad thing, but I know what a relief it is to be quiet. Uh, That's a 12-year-old poet. Wow, that's lovely. And to the credit of, uh, so the, in California, there's a poetry in the schools project that is, uh, mm -hmm. you know, uh, professional poets and, and people who love uh, the idea of poetry uh, being taught to uh, children, go into the schools and, and work with teachers and, uh, and they put on competitions and they do all kinds of activities that encourage uh, children to read poetry and to write poetry. Uh, she uh, did very well in that system. And uh, one of her teachers uh, suggested that she uh, uh, submit the poem to me. So I was very, very pleased with that. And That's wonderful. Just a beautiful, beautiful piece of work. So. That is wonderful. <laughs> well, we, we are at that point where we need to say so long to our listeners. I can't believe it. This has just been so full of delight. You're very kind. I really, I always enjoy talking with you. Thank you so much. And I just really appreciate your insights. You're reading my poems, uh, or the poems from the series. You did a wonderful job. <laughs> so that's going to be the de rigueur. We're going to do that from now on. I won't All read right. anything. I'm just going to send you the, like, please be prepared to read the following poems in our next uh, podcast. <laughs> you know. I love that idea. I'll be, happy to do that. I'll be happy to do that. So well, thank you so much for having me. You are welcome. We, this has been this wonderful conversation with Robert Hansen. He has that beautiful project poems for all. And in all of this conversation and our sharing of poetry, I know that you picked up from, from Robert and from me. We love people, we love poetry, and Robert loves design and is happy to gift the world with these seeds of poetry called Poems for All. So do your part to share that love. That's what I say. And I must thank Daniel Smith, who produced the show, so that you got to hear it. Thank you, Daniel. Thank you, Robert. Thank you, listeners. And so long to our listeners.